0: You're listening to How to SaaS, the number one podcast to grow your cloud software company with marketing, sales, and customer success in just 10 minutes a day. Each episode will feature a tip, hack, or secret to take your SaaS company to the next level. And now, here's your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. Hey, everybody, welcome to today's episode. I have a really interesting guest for you today. Her name is Laura Roder. She is the CEO of a company called Meet Edgar, which competes with social media platforms like Hootsuite and Buffer. The only difference is, is, that, is that Meet Edgar is an automated platform that cycles through a bunch of posts on all your social media channels. I'm actually a Meet Edgar customer myself, and so I was super excited to meet Laura at the Sastra conference a few weeks back, and I had to have her on the show just a hear her story because what I know is that they've grown to 4 million in about just about under three years of being in existence and that's a lot of impressive growth considering that they're built on a self-serve model. They're a low ACV uh, software compared to a lot of enterprise tools out there And, and they don't do any sales. They're purely based on inbound marketing, uh, they use paid, they use social, they use content, and still they've managed to grow at that kind of a rate. So I thought it was super interesting to bring her on so that she could share her story. And we focus on a really interesting topic, which is how brand often helps companies say no to even good opportunities and how Meet Edgar's brand in particular has helped them differentiate themselves from giants in the industry like Hootsuite and Buffer, how they've been able to make decisions when it comes to their company strategy, uh, what kind of support they provide, what type of marketing they focus on, and, and how the brand in the end has helped them grow to 4 million. So it's a really interesting conversation and have a listen and think about what you could take away for your brand and your business and how you can use that to make a lot of decisions when it comes to your strategy and your operations. Enjoy the interview, guys. All right. Welcome to the show, Laura. How's it going?
1: Thank you. I'm great. Happy to be here.
0: Well, thanks for taking the time. Uh, so why don't we start with uh, your background, a little bit about uh, Edgar and, and then we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, so I've been working for myself for about 10 years, have kind of done all the different business models in the the social media space, uh, I first started working for myself as a freelance web designer, making websites for small businesses, and then social media started to become a thing and I would help my clients with it. And then eventually enough clients were like, You know we'd pay you to do that part, the social <laughs> media part, because I was doing that for free. You know, they were paying me to make their website. So that turned into social media consulting, which turned into social media training. And then in twenty fourteen I launched Meet Edgar, which is a social media software product, which was actually a direct result of the training. We were training people to do manually what the software does for you in Edgar.
0: Right, right. And and, uh, can you go into a little bit more about exactly what problem Edgar solves for its customers?
1: Yeah, so Edgar is a unique tool because we keep a library of all of your evergreen content and then keep cycling through it for you. So, what I was teaching people, I noticed uh, basically how bad reach is (laughs) across social media, which, uh, you know, in recent years, people have been freaking out about how much Facebook reach has been dropping. Uh, Twitter reach is just as bad. They actually make you do the math when you go into your stats, they don't show you. Your, your total impression rate as a percentage of your followers, but it's, it's less than 5%, just like Facebook and you know, they've gotten lower, but they've always been really low. So I kind of thought, why am I creating and why is everyone creating multiple pieces of new content every single day for the rest of time that 95% of the people in your audience are not seeing. So that's where the idea came from to take your evergreen content, keep cycling through it, make, you know, a, let's say three month kind of block of social media content, and then just cycle through it over and over again, obviously adding in fresh live stuff as well. So that's exactly what Edgar does for you. With other tools, you have to keep reloading your queue, keep adding content. With Edgar, you load up a library of evergreen content, and then Edgar pulls from that library for you so that Edgar's filling up your queue from your library instead of you doing it yourself.
0: Right. And when you, when you enter the market, there were a lot of other social media platforms out there, right? Like you have the hootsuite mm-hmm. hoots of the world. And so how, what was your what was your way of differentiating Edgar from those products?
1: I mean, both, both brand and product. So our product has always done something really different. So our our top competitors are Buffer and Hootsuite, but neither one of them, um, has this functionality of storing a library of evergreen content and then sending it out. Um, you still have to do both of them very manually adding your updates, you know, every day one at a time. Uh, so we do have a very different product. However, you kind of have to learn a little more before you understand that. You know, I think at first glance, people will think kind of that we're just exactly like those other tools. Um, So using the name and the character of Edgar is definitely a a tool we've used to, to stand out.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about on this podcast because usually the topics I cover are super either direct response focused or, or growth focused. But when I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an Edgar customer myself, and one of the things that attracted me to the platform was the way you guys told the story of your product. And so talk a little bit about how that's really helped you guys get customers or explain exactly what Edgar does.
1: Yeah, well, I mean… Um... One we always call Edgar he instead of it. like he's managing your social media software for you. And I think it just it having a little metaphor helps people understand the idea of what our software does because you can imagine this little guy, Edgar, you know, like looking at your library. You can kind of imagine a physical library and he's pulling out the status updates and then he's shipping them off to to Twitter <laughs> right. and Facebook for you. Um also, it's the nature of our software that we often, do replace a human. Uh, Actually, we often get guilty emails of people being like, I feel bad, but I fired my virtual assistant (laughs) once (laughs) once I got Edgar. Like, I didn't need them anymore. So something really funny is that our customers, just totally on their own, started saying, we always were hearing things like, Edgar's my man, Edgar's my boyfriend, like I've got a new guy, his name is Edgar. Uh so we actually made Edgar's my boyfriend stickers and send them out to customers and people definitely like them.
0: That's great. Yeah, and I've also seen a lot of your onboarding emails and things like that. And the language is very different from traditional copywriting, right? So you're really going out of your way to to keep that message going that this is actually a person, it's not a bot.
1: Right so we have yeah a lot of like obscure weird little facts about Edgar and and jokes about Edgar and I just think you know most companies are way too serious <laughs> in yeah. their marketing it's like social media can be a sort of tedious marketing chore that that you feel like you have to get done. Why not make it a kind of point of fun in people's day that maybe they can look forward to our emails because they have some dumb joke in them that's that's gonna make you laugh. Hopefully,
0: right, right. And but 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 you know, at the end of the day, Edgar is a bot, and there's like thousands mm-hmm. of bots out there, mm-hmm. right. So, uh, how did you guys begin this decision or or make the decision to humanize them, and and what did that process look like?
1: Yeah. Well, it was it was uh, controversial. So my husband, Chris, uh, built the initial version of the software. So he was, you know, the tech side and I was the marketing side. And we were calling, we were using Edgar as like the code name of the project. Um, and then when it came time where we were like, okay, we're actually doing this, we're launching it, you know, we need a name, we need a brand we just couldn't think of anything that we liked better all the names we could come up with we didn't like and we were already calling it edgar and we're like what if we just called it edgar that would be kind of funny you know that would be kind of different so as soon as we decided on calling it edgar i thought okay well we have to do an edgar character and my husband chris was like that's going to be just like clippy. It's going to be so annoying. (laughs) Everyone's going to hate it. Like you can't do that. And I was like, no, you do the tech. (laughs) I'm going to do the marketing. Like it won't be like clippy. It won't be annoying. I promise. It'll be really great. So, uh, we kind of, we were a much smaller company at the time, but we did have, um, our copywriter, Tom, who has done all of the Edgar copy, did the entire brand voice. He writes all the Edgar emails that you read. Uh, We also make a point to do in-app copy, which I think is something, you know, most software products don't do for our error messages and things like that. Those all go through Tom. Um, So he is totally responsible for the Edgar voice. And he and I and some other people at the company just kind of went through this exercise of, you know, who do we imagine Edgar to be? You know, we went through like what kind of, creature is he what's his personality like um going off what the software does for people and that's that's how the character of of edgar came about
0: yeah that's interesting you mentioned clippy you you mean like the microsoft paperclip right? yeah yeah everybody <laughs> right. everybody hated right. that thing everybody yeah. Hated him. <laughs> yeah so it's uh how do you how do you th- thread that needle of you know not being on that edge but actually being something that people actually identify with um you mentioned brand voice and we've been talking a lot about that at, at wild Africa we actually also have a funny you know uh, brand name and and, and logo and, and kind of mascot if you look on if you saw it yesterday we would have like a Valentine thing on the logo so you know what was the process that went that you guys went through when thinking about the the brand voice and and saying okay this is how Edgar needs to speak were there were there like was there any templates that you used or was there a type of brainstorm like what was the process?
1: We didn't really use any templates. I mean, the visual we we kind of started with describing the character in words and then our designer, um, Julie Field designed took that to be the the logo um of Edgar, which is, you know, what we still use today and she did a great job with that. So, yeah, it was more just thinking, okay, if the software was a person, would he be um, you know, would he be friendly versus outgoing? versus excited you know is he wise or is he clever just and then what like what is his background where did he come from (laughs) um and yeah tom just kind of created this character and just wrote it all out
0: right and and it also plays through to uh even marketing fundamentals that you guys have going on your website, like your, your call to action isn't start a free trial, it's get invited to Edgar, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. was that a conscious decision based on the branding?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where, you know, the kind of direct response side comes in. That's a very direct response style thing to do is uh, collect email addresses on your homepage, very novel idea in the SaaS world. It's, <laughs> it's very rare, but yeah, so I think we were, we kind of combined that marketing strategy with i think it does go along of this with this mental image as edgar as a sort of concierge that's going to manage your social media for you right like it makes sense that you're kind of like requesting to to work with him
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so yeah yeah this is all very tongue in cheek so but let, mm-hmm. let's come down to you know results so when you i mean it's hard to on the one hand to quantify the value of a brand but can you talk about how in your opinion having that brand has actually led to more acquisition of customers or more customer loyalty or any yeah. of those.
1: Well I mean I think one place that it comes in is so much of online marketing is just getting your brand um, in front of people. You know, you and I got to chat a little bit when we when we met at Saster and the conversation we were having is a lot about stats tracking and I don't know, after my time doing online marketing, I just believe that there's a lot that you can never know in, in stats and and you like attribution is kind of an impossible thing because people go through so many touch points, um, before you see them become a customer and all of those touch points, people are seeing your brand. So just little things like, you know, to get more followers on Twitter, Your um, icon needs to be something that people, for whatever reason, might think, like, I wonder what that is. I'm going to click on that. You know, your name needs to be something where they think, I wonder what that is. You can do it in a more irreverent way. You can do it in a more straightforward way where your Twitter handle is like, I make lawyers more money and then they're like, Oh, (laughs) I'm a lawyer. I like to make more money, you know, like for me, right. I will teach you to be rich. It's like, Oh, I want to be rich. (laughs) Um, so I think that's a, a huge part of like where branding comes in as something you, you know, can see, but at the same time can't track directly is like your brand. Every time there is an opportunity for a click, every time there's opportunity for engagement, that name, that logo, that brand um, can make that click happen or not, you know. So I just think there's this blanket effect across all of the marketing that you do. Um, of course, unless you're like testing your brand, you know, over years with like different names and different logos, it's kind of impossible to know how much impact that brand had.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and uh, connecting this to acquisition channels, like based on the kind of company you guys are on this platform you offer is social your biggest channel or uh content or 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 something like pay-per-click
1: um search which means social which means content you know um our number one refer for customers in analytics is direct which to me means they Internet slash people in some way, (laughs) you know, like they probably talked to someone about it and they probably clicked a link that wasn't tracked or something. So that's why I think like, okay, we can you know, we can look at social media and we can see the number of customers that came from social media. Cool. Um, And there's some. But you know, search is obviously not mutually exclusive from social media. We see a lot of customers come from search, but how many of those come from social media? I mean, you can see in analytics, right? Like the different touch points along the way, but you don't have a super clear answer. So I just view kind of the whole sort of content marketing sphere as just hand in hand with search and like how people find us.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking to the former VP of marketing of FreshBooks and we were doing Mm -hmm. a a podcast episode on radio ads um, that'll probably air before this one. And he was talking about that exact same thing, which is, you know, once you get to a certain point, you can't directly attribute it, but just being in front of those users with your strong brand and and your strong messaging keeps them top of mind, right? And that can go a long way. And I think the direct traffic... Thing is a good example um let me let me ask you this uh, do you think do you think your brand has played a role in terms of uh the nps ratings that you get from your customers and and their experience with your product
1: of course of course and i mean i think this is something that marketers know and developers often hate to admit is just how incredibly irrational our buying decisions are, for one, you know, our feelings of satisfaction. Like, you know, we tend to think that we've had a better experience with things if they're more expensive, for example, or if we, you know, if we have some idea that they're more expensive, that gives us a better impression of the quality of our experience with it. I mean, it, like people who just want to think that everything, is numbers like hate that fact (laughs) but but it's absolutely true so of course of course if you have a better experience with a brand because you like it and it makes you smile and it's something to tell your friend about it gives you the a better impression of the software as well and maybe that's not true and maybe that's not fair but like that's how humans judge our experiences
0: Right, right, and and uh, connecting back, I guess, to the top of the funnel, you know, one thing we try to do at Wild Apricot is, um, uh, we are, our kind of brand promise is that we help these small associations escape Excel hell, right? So because mm-hmm. without us, they're using Excel and Outlook, and uh, they have no way of tracking payments and things like that. But for you guys, when I think about content marketing, really, what you're trying to do is you're trying to educate. These marketers and companies to use social media, but you're saying, "Hey, you don't need to do it all manually and manually right. schedule it on on even Hootsuite." It's it, the process is pretty manual even now, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, so how how are you guys Im- embedding that that piece of your brand into the blog posts or the webinars that you guys are creating?
1: I mean, honestly, I think that's a big direction for us this year. I think that's something that we haven't really done that well, and we're kind of realizing you know, we offer really a different strategy for social media. That is a new idea for a lot of people. Um, some people have thought of it on their own and they're just like our home run customers. Cause some people come to us saying, Oh my God, I had the same idea. I made my own spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, right. I've been repeating my content, pulling it from the spreadsheet. Like I had the idea to invent the software. I'm so glad that someone did. Um, so those people will always buy Edgar. It's just so obvious for them. But most people like, you know, people tell me all the time, like, are you allowed to repeat your content? You know, won't you get kicked off Twitter? Like, there's, <laughs> there, there's still like a lot of misinformation, <laughs> you know, about this. So I think that we need to do a much better job because I think for us, you know, it's not so much about selling the software, it's about selling this strategy of how to do social media. And once you're on board with that strategy, then then using Edgar is very obvious choice um so yeah i mean honestly i would say more that to me it's something we need to do better than something we've done really well already
0: yeah absolutely i would say i'm probably in that the former group where i've i've thought of this and uh, because when you post social media posts at different times you can see the different reactions and Mm -hmm. sometimes you end up doing both and you end up getting completely different reactions Mm -hmm. or on different days so i've always thought about and like yesterday i read um The the annual letter by uh, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, and it was on all these um, cool things that they're doing to improve uh, child health and disease and all the stuff across the world. And I've actually posted that twice on my different social media accounts just because it's something that I think if the person's on their newsfeed right now, they might read it. But if they were, Mm -hmm. they probably weren't there yesterday, right? So just getting it in front of people. Um, And so also connecting to the content, you know, what, what would you say is is the kind of content, maybe you have a vision for this in your mind, but now that you have this brand in this position mm-hmm. where you are different from uh, Buffer and, and Hootsuite, uh, what, what would be the kind of content that speaks to the Edgar brand?
1: Well, I think giving people a, a sort of whole top to bottom strategy on how to do effective social media, you know, because... Social media is not... Well, like I was talking about the whole like sphere of, of search and online marketing, right? Social media is, is just a part of that. Social media is a way to spread your content. It's also a way to signal to Google that this content is important. It's a way to get other people to link to the content. And I think other tools... Um, I don't know, kind of give the impression that it's more standalone, kind of give the impression, like write a tweet and, and we'll send it out, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what the tool does. Like, the first, like Hootsuite was innovative because you could upload something and send it to Twitter and Facebook at the same time. That was like the big innovation at the time. And then they were like, oh, you can schedule it ahead of time. And then that was innovative, you know. Um, but I think a lot of the tools kind of don't give you that full picture of, of what social media is doing for your business. So I would love for us to be able to give small businesses and small business marketers this really holistic picture of how it all fits together. And also just we're so big on this idea that like you have to be realistic as a small business owner. I mean, I always tell people if all you did was load up your blog in Edgar and then have Edgar send out one blog post a day, like you would get a return. (laughs) That would be worth it because just accomplishing that without edgar is really hard to do it is very hard to to do you know to make sure that every day you're sending out a link to your blog so it's like you've already written your blog you've already recorded your podcast you've already made all this great content it was really time consuming for you to create let's just like leverage that in a super easy way for you and i think giving people permission to kind of go back to the basics of like because people always want you know whenever i do these interviews people are often like oh what's like the latest hack you know, for like hacking Instagram and getting more followers. And it's like, one, I mean, a lot of that stuff is short term. It doesn't work that well. And two, it's just too overwhelming for a small business owner to even try to keep up with like the latest Facebook algorithm. So I'm like. Don't even worry about the latest fa- Facebook algorithm. Just try to link to a blog post every day. <laughs> Like day. Right. Let's, let's just start there. People get so obsessed with the tips and tricks and like they're getting away from the basics of like, am I linking to good content on social media every single day?
0: Right. When to post and, you know, how, like all, all mm. the the hashtags and the formatting right. and the pictures. Right. Like, those are, I guess, the minutiae where you just, if you do it in an iterations where just start posting daily and that alone yeah. will get you enough traction. And I think, I think that your point is right is that when you're a unit of one, whether it's a. Uh, entrepreneur or a social media team of just one person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, doing that kind of stuff every single day does it it, it adds up and then you end up skipping a lot of days right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah um, okay so so connecting again back to company strategy and branding um, given that your product is a bot that uh, is automating things uh, we've ta- we talked a little bit about this at saster uh, how do you approach acquisition because saster is all about you know uh, big, building big sales teams mm. and people intensive acquisition models but in a way, sticking to your brand means you don't do that kind of stuff and yeah. stick to more of a self serve model, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're 100% self serve. We don't have a sales team. Um, I mean, I actually loved meeting you at SASTER, and I always love hearing about businesses that are also small business focused that are farther along than us, you know, larger than us, like you guys are, because there's this myth out there that you have to go enterprise um, once you reach a certain size. And I'm like, I just know that's not true because we only have seven thousand customers, and I know there's more than seven thousand small businesses. You <laughs> right, know, like right. we obviously have not found all of them. Um, and I just, I love, I love the small business world. Like it's just like selling to huge companies is not that exciting to me. Um, I love what a huge impact Edgar has on on our customers. You know, people are like, whoa! I went from not having time to use social media to now having like this regular channel that's sending me traffic because I sent you know, set up Edgar. Like that's really cool. That that's made a big difference. So we are very focused on staying in the small business market. Um we only have one plan, which is like very controversial in the SaaS world, you know, and most people think is a terrible idea, but like we just love keeping it simple. We're like where for, you know, solopreneurs, like you said, either team of one or marketing team of one, that's like 99% of our customers. A lot of them are solopreneurs or they're small businesses where one person or maybe the owner is doing all the marketing, all the social media. Um, that That's who we're talking to at Edgar and we love those customers.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing. You said you have 7,000 customers. You guys are at 4 million recurring revenue, right? Is that... mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a significant achievement considering you only have one pricing plan and you, can, you yeah. don't have access to something like it expansion revenue for the most part right right? Um, well yeah not at all and 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 the other uh, the other thing is i'd say yeah you're right you haven't close to exhausted the market so i think i think the 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 reason why enterprise SaaS gets so much coverage is that those are the models that have worked in the past Mm -hmm. um and that's where the you know 100 million or billion dollar companies have been built like the marketos or the Mm -hmm. omnitures right but i think now i think edgar is an example of this new wave of companies that are single purpose small and self-service the only business strategy that really makes sense for those models right
1: yeah and i think it's a you know i think what a lot of people don't understand is that yes the enterprise sales model does not work for small businesses and for small business price points and that's why there's this kind of idea you know because there's an idea in SaaS of like oh the small business market is really hard to reach i'm like Yeah, if you're cold calling, it is really hard (laughs) to reach. Like, if you're blogging, it's really easy to reach, in my opinion. So, I think a lot of people try to take something that works for one market and slap it on another. And it, one, just doesn't work. And two, yeah, of course, the math doesn't work out. You know, we charge $79 a month. We can't have like a full time sales guy chasing you for four months trying to get you to sign a $79 a month contract. Like, the math doesn't work out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, That's something that we've struggled with, with for quite some time. I would say We're at a different stage than you guys. Where I mean, getting the 13 million on self serve was hard enough. Mm -hmm. We're trying to pilot some channels where we do introduce some hand holding, but we're Mm -hmm. being very careful about it. Like, for example, our average account is also about $70 a month, but we can go after, let's say there's a Toastmasters uh, organization in Toronto, but then there's also one in Austin, right? We can Mm -hmm. go to the parent organization and land all those accounts, right? So then maybe an outbound model can work. um, Yeah. But until you reach that, that point where you're like there's no way we can scale any further on mm-hmm. self-serve it it really doesn't make sense and if, if your market is a unit of one that makes sense too um which brings me to another point which is and i want to get your thoughts on this is when we're talking about brand it's it's not just you know we're not just talking about uh logos and messaging and all those things it's really a way to guide a lot of business strategy decisions mm-hmm. right? and how has how has that impacted some other key decisions that you've made in terms of maybe people you've hired or the the money that you spend on marketing?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it it impacts everything. I mean obviously the product decisions are what comes to mind first because the great thing about having one price point and one customer is it makes our product so much simpler. You know, because we're not a huge company. So we have um, maybe like seven people on our development team now. Um, so it's not, you know, an enormous team. So just things like uh, we've decided not to build a version for agencies Um We have some agencies that use us and people that use us to manage their clients. And we're like, just open up different accounts (laughs) for different clients, like just have more than one Edgar account. So like hacky things like that. I mean, if people want to use the tool, they'll do it. And now we don't have to spend all of our developers time creating, you know, multiple logins and client approvals and all the features that don't apply to most of our customers. But if we were going after agencies, we need those features,
0: Right, that's, that's a phenomenal example. And and as soon as, if you did go that route, let's say you did build out that agency version, not only would you then have to uh, build out those features and invest dev resources, it would distract you from your, your core product, and mm-hmm. then you would have to build a different acquisition engine, which might involve something like salespeople.
1: Right, right. And I think people just really overlook, you know, it sounds exciting to expand, um, but it's so, like, it's already hard enough <laughs> to make the channels work, right? That you're focusing on. Like, why are you starting from scratch somewhere else like you know we're trying so hard to figure out you know the most effective way to convert small business owners like let's keep improving that we already have something pretty good working like let's keep growing that and making it better instead of yeah starting all over with agencies that need different collateral and different messaging maybe different sales process it's i don't know why people underestimate how hard it is like it's it's hard (laughs)
0: right Yeah. I I like the saying, you know, people always uh, under, uh, sorry, overestimate what they can do in the short run, but underestimate what they can do in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And connected to this, tell me, are there any opportunities that that you know that could have made Edgar, you know, add a bunch of revenue, but you've said no to simply because it conflicts with the brand and strategy outside of maybe the agency example you gave? Hmm.
1: um, I don't know. I mean, so something kind of on those lines that's an unusual decision. like we we haven't really done any partnership or integration stuff, um which is a pretty common growth channel. Like we have a, a Zapier integration, you know, because that kind of covers us for anything that our customers want to do, since Zapier ties to everything. But we haven't done a lot of um partner marketing or you know marketing via integrations or things like that. And that's partially because I saw in my last business just what a huge distraction that can be and how hard it is to know what's going to pay off. Um, So, you know, in my last business that was in the form of like affiliate promotions and I just saw like we would have some affiliates that we would do so much handholding for and write, you know, all custom copy and custom campaigns. And they had huge lists and we thought they were going to pay off huge. And then it would be like nothing. And then there would be some small person that their list would convert great because like their, their audience was a better kind of like philosophy match for us. And it, you know, I like, I've been in that place where it's like, okay, I did 15 different one-off promotions in the last three months and now I have 15 landing pages and 15 coupons and, you know, 15 email sequences and now half of them are out of date and, like, customer service, people are emailing that they found this coupon code from three months ago and it's not working anymore and, you know, like it just all that stuff. It's always, it's always more complicated than you think. You're always like, we're just going to do a webinar. And then you're like, Oh wait, but what offer are we putting? And like, when does it expire? And like, how do we like put that so people can link to it right on the webinar page? It's just, everything's more complicated. So I, I'm a really big believer in like, let's not create 30 funnels. Let's create one and keep incrementally improving it.
0: Right. No, that's that's a great example. Um, tell me this. Uh, it, it, integration is just one one angle, right? Because the market keeps changing and your your customers will likely want to integrate with different things. How do you stay on top of um, uh, the changes that are happening to key social media platforms? Because you're constantly, your software is posting there. Yeah. And do you, do you ever have to make a trade-off where you say, Oh, like LinkedIn, there's there's too many errors going on, but we're going to ignore that and focus on, on Facebook and Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever it is.
1: It's, it's a huge challenge. Um, you know, it keeps our team very busy <laughs> um, because, yeah, these platforms are changing constantly. You know, sometimes we don't get any kind of heads up about it. Um, And some platforms don't work with our tool. So Instagram is a great example. So what a lot of people don't realize is that the Instagram scheduling tools that are out there, um, all they're doing is queuing up a reminder that pops up on your phone, and then you actually have to go not even on your computer, but on your phone to schedule the post. You have to you know click a button on your phone when you want it to go live. Um, so the tools are certainly providing a service. It makes it a little easier because you can plan ahead you know, your text and your images, but you can't actually schedule a post to Instagram. There have been, by the way, some third-party tools that did it, but they always get shut down because... They're against Instagram's terms of service. So obviously they're not going to last that long. Um, So the whole nature of our tool is load up your library and then we cycle through content for you without you having to go in and post everything. So for that reason, we are not on Instagram. And like that is kind of a tough call because Instagram is an awesome platform. A lot of our customers are on it. It's obviously super fast growing. Uh, but you can't do the core functionality of Edgar on Instagram. Like we can't basically like, we can't keep our brand promise on Instagram. Um, so it just makes more sense for us not to be there and serve channels where we can. And that can be really hard because a lot of customers are kind of looking down the checklist, right? When they're evaluating tools, they're like, okay, well I use Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So I need a tool that posts to those. Um, so we definitely lose customers because of it. Although we find there's. Honestly, there's a lot of sort of misleading marketing in how some of the other tools say that they work with Instagram. So a lot of people will choose those tools thinking they can schedule to Instagram and then they're kind of like, oh, wait, okay, never mind. Maybe that's not really what I thought it was, you know, but, but I, but we definitely lose customers because of it. And we could like, I think some organizations would say, oh, the customers are asking for it. Like just build it, even though it doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really go with the rest of the tool just so that we have that, that check mark on our homepage.
0: Right. No, that's a great example. I think I'm going to title this episode how to use your brand to say no to great opportunities or something like that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, okay, so tell me this. That's this. We've been talking all outwardly stuff, but in, inward, I think uh, brand also has a huge impact on company culture, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and you guys are a remote team. So yeah. maybe talk about how uh, this, this, this bot that you have and the messaging and, the, and like, how does that all this, that story connect to how you deal with your team and the internal culture?
1: I mean, I think the connection is just kind of like not, not taking ourselves too seriously is I think the biggest tie between like our internal culture and our outward brand. So, uh, something that we always say is like, we're not, we're, we're a social media scheduling tool. Like we're not, we're not saving lives here. (laughs) So, you (laughs) you know, like it can just be really easy to get really panicked and really stressed about your job and, of course, our tool being reliable is very important to our customers, and Edgar is very reliable, but like, if there is a minute of downtime, we don't need to freak out about it. You know, like, we'll fix it. We'll move on. Um, Luckily, we're in an industry where our customers, it's not like their business. It's not like, it's not like we're Stripe and we're like, oh, you guys just couldn't collect revenue all day. Like, that's that's really bad. Like, if your tweets don't go out, I mean, don't get me wrong. We always send your tweets out. But, like, if one didn't, like, that probably wouldn't ruin your business, you know? And we just, we take that attitude and like, we don't, um, we don't work in the evenings. We don't work on the weekends. We're very calm about problems when they happen. Uh, actually we had, I guess it was probably about two years ago now. So it was in like our first year. Um, there was this day when Facebook went down for, um, a few hours, you know, which is incredibly unusual for Facebook. And as part of that outage, a lot of their partner tools got disconnected. Um, and we were one of those tools. So not only were people not able to post to Facebook, Uh, all of their posts that had been posted by Edgar because of this weird bug were pulled from Facebook. Like the whole history of everything they'd ever posted just disappeared Wow. from, yeah, their Facebook pages and profiles. So like, as far as problems for us, like it was like about as big as you can get, you know, like people use our tool to post to Facebook, like they can't post to Facebook. And so, um, When it happened, I actually remember because my husband and I were, like, about to go to a family dinner when it all went down. And we're just like, okay, like, you know, who at Facebook, like, who do we know? Who can we call? Who can we email? Who do we know that used to work at Facebook that can maybe call someone? And we made all of our calls and we did all of our emails and, you know, obviously investigated the problem from the tech side to see if there was anything that could be done. And then after a certain point, we did everything we could do. So we're like, all right, let's let's go to dinner. You know, like we'll have our phones on us in case anything comes <laughs> up. But like, we don't need to just sit here like staring at each other, freaking out. Freaking out, yeah.
0: It it's very stoic of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, one thing I wanted to ask about, actually, you mentioned Facebook. Somebody that I'm connected with, uh, he owns a uh, pay-per-click. Uh, consulting company called uh, Powered by Search and he constantly is using your software to post stuff to Facebook and I just remembered that every single post of yours on Facebook because I don't use your platform for Facebook, I use it for LinkedIn and, and Twitter, mm-hmm. um, but whenever he makes a post it says post it with Meet Edgar, right? So uh, that's kind of connects with this acquisition and brand and all that. So well actually
1: it's not entirely, it just says that on profiles, it doesn't say that on pages.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I think you're you're probably right because it says says a person's name. Right, right. Right. And so has something like that helped you acquire more customers? And do you you have any idea if that's something like that's working? Because it's kind of like the old Hotmail thing, right? Get your free free Hotmail account is what scaled them to so many users?
1: Well, yeah. Unfortunately, I point out the distinction because it's actually like people... It's kind of unusual that people use this on a profile. Um, It's much more common on a page. um, And that attribution... Isn't up to us. It's just the same for all tools. Um, so if anyone's using any tool on a profile, it'll show, uh, but not on a page. So yeah, I don't think we get a lot of acquisition through that because it's, yeah, we actually aren't used on profiles very much.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think those are all the questions that I have. Laura, do you have any final thoughts you want to share before we wrap this up?
1: Oh, I mean, I would just say, you know, like, I would just want to give people permission that you can make your brand a little more fun and a little more memorable. Um, You know, we are in a B2B space. We're selling to small businesses. And I think there's this idea that you have to be very serious (laughs) if you're selling to businesses, but you know, you're of course selling to the people at those businesses. You're not selling to a faceless organization. You're selling to a human. So I think most brands could definitely benefit from, being a little more casual, being a little more personal and, and having more fun.
0: That's awesome. And uh, last but not least, I do this with every guest. So I want to appreciate you for taking the time for doing this and for having a really awesome, fun conversation. And also, you know, personifying the, this idea that I think there's an idea out there that you always have to just make a do everything you can to grow as fast as possible, which doesn't necessarily need to be the case. You can make those trade-offs mm-hmm. and actually kind of build a build a lifestyle and the kind of company you actually want to build, and and it's turning out really well for you. So I want to congratulate you on that. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you. Oh, and I have to say, like, because I didn't the whole Facebook thing that happened. Like, it it got fixed within like two hours, and all the posts came back, and we could post to Facebook again. I don't want people to listen and be like, "Oh, I don't <laughs> just work on Facebook anymore." <laughs> yes,
0: to all the listeners, go get Meet Edgar. It's a great app. I can. This is a customer testimonial. Great, Thank great. App. Yeah. Thank Th- you. Thanks, Laura. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.hadassas.com. And we will see you next time.